Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. It's already the middle of the week. I guess that's what happens when you get Monday off for a holiday. Here we are on the 3rd of January. This is Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort studio. Pearl River Resort is the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. Learn more about them online at pearlriverresort.com. Alongside Brian Haydad and Michael Borky, I'm Richard Cross. You can join the conversation on the C Spire text line, 601 879 Four three nine five. Don't forget about that connect and protect plan from C Spire. Gives you the parental controls that you need to make sure that your kids are safe online while giving them the device that they want. Connect and protect, just part of why C Spire is customer inspired. Great to be with you this afternoon, and I think a fun conversation to start things off. We are five days away from the national championship game. The only two remaining undefeated teams in college football, the teams that were ranked one and two going into the college football playoff, are meeting for the national championship. Our friend Chase in Columbus, by the way, reminded me last night that if the BCS were still the thing, Mm -hmm. it would have gotten it right because Michigan... Yeah, yeah. Washington Lee was quick on that as well. Oh, (laughs) Barrett of wishing we went back to the BCS uh, way of thinking. Yeah. Uh, I will pass on that. Uh, No no thank you. But I guess whatever your opinion is, your opinion is. So we are five days away from Michigan and Washington, the two remaining undefeateds playing for the national championship. We are like 340 days away from a 12-team playoff. It's going to be absolutely fantastic next season because we're not going to be focused on who are the four It's going to be who are the 12 and who are going to be the conference champions and who is the group of five at large team that is going to get into the college football playoff. But Brian Haydad, it brings up a pretty interesting question and one that may anger some, but that's all right. A question nonetheless. Does the group of five deserve an automatic bid into the playoff? I will say yes, but they have to have a qualifier. I think to be eligible 
I think to, for a group of five team to be eligible for the college ball playoff, they have to have played and beaten a power five team in their in their season. I like that. One, one's enough. Just one. One's enough. Okay. So if they if they want to schedule a Vanderbilt or a, a you know a, a, a Rutgers or, or whoever, you know a, a lower tier Power Five team, that's fine. But they got to beat them to be eligible. So since 2014, when we started the college football playoff, there has been one non Power Five, soon to be Power Four team that has made it. That was Cincinnati in 2021. And mm-hmm. Cincinnati, hey Dad, did they exactly beat Power Five teams. They did exactly what you suggested just a moment ago. They had two Power Five teams on their schedule that they beat that season, right? Mm-hmm. I believe you're correct. I'm, I'm double checking you now. I know they beat they beat Notre Dame that year, right? Yes. Yes. They beat they beat Indiana, and they beat Notre Dame. And also, for what it's worth, I mean, they beat UCF, which is now a Power 4 team. Power 5. And yeah. and also SMU, and also Houston. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. That was a good Cincinnati team. That, it had pros. That team deserved to be in. Yeah. Deserved to be in. So, so Cincinnati in 2021 at 13-0 was the only group of five team that has been part of the four-team playoff. There have been a ton of Power 5 champions that have been left out. In fact, every year of the playoff, I know Florida State wants to claim that they are left on an island all by themselves. The difference is Florida State was an undefeated Power 5 champion. But every year of the playoff, there has been at least one Power 5 champion that has been left out. 2014, you had two, Baylor and TCU, both at 11-1 and were left out. 2015, Two lost Stanford was left out. They were ranked sixth. In 2016, you had 11 and 2 Penn State that was left out. 10 and 2 Oklahoma was left out. 2017, Ohio State and USC, both with two losses. In 2018, Ohio State at 12 and 1 was ranked sixth and they were left out, as was Washington at 10 and 3. Oregon was left out in 2019. In 2020, Oklahoma and Oregon were both left out. Neither of them played. Um, full schedules that year. Oklahoma was eight and two. Oregon was four and two. In twenty twenty one, you had three Power Five conference champions that were left out, but all had at least two losses: Baylor, Utah, and Pittsburgh. In twenty twenty two, it was three: Clemson, Utah, Kansas State. And then this year, for the first time, an undefeated Power Five conference champion was left out in thirteen and zero Florida State. So this year was very much an anomaly. Here's what: if the question is. Should the group of five be excluded from the playoff? I would answer unequivocally no. They should not be excluded. However, I might go with a different qualifier than you did, hey dad, but it's just it's using a different metric to say the same thing. They just got finishing the top twelve. I don't think there's any way around giving automatic bids to the winner of the SEC, the ACC, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12. Or the, the Big 12. Pac-12 doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. There's no way around giving an automatic bid to the conference champion from those four leagues. But then you've got eight spots up for grabs. So, 
Here's the next layer. How many times since the college football playoff began in 2014 would a group of five team have ended up in the playoff? Certainly is not every year. In 2014, year one, the highest-ranked group of five team was Boise State at number 20. In 2015, it was Houston at number 18, so they wouldn't have gotten in. 2016 is an interesting one. You had Western Michigan, who went 13-0 and that year, and they were ranked 15th. Do you happen to remember, I don't have it in front of me, whether Western Michigan beat a Power 5 team that year? I can sure look it up. Give me a second. All right, I was I'll just looking look at Central up. Florida. I'll go ahead and tell you with Central Florida for the next two years, they did. Yes. So in they beat Northwestern in uh, Evanston by one. And they also won at Illinois. Yeah. All right. Oh, so they okay. Have two, so two power five wins. So by Haydad's qualification, Western Michigan in 2016 would have been in the playoff. Whereas with what I was saying, being in the top 12, they wouldn't necessarily have been in. 2017, UCF would have gotten in as ranked number 12. In 2018, and they had a power five win. Okay. 2018, UCF would have gotten in at number eight. And they had a power five win. 2019, no. You had Memphis, 17, Boise State, 18, and Appalachian State, 20. But none of those in the top 12. 2020 is the most interesting year, though. Now, 2020 was a weird season. But in 2020, you would have had two group of five teams that got in. You would have had undefeated Cincinnati at 9-0, who was ranked 8th, and you would have had undefeated Coastal Carolina, who was ranked 12th and went 11-0. Hey, if, if that's what the people thought they were, then that's what they were. So be in, it. In 2021, obviously Cincinnati that got in the four-team playoff would have been in, the five, in, the, in a 12-team playoff. Uh, and then neither of the last two years. Last year, it was two loss, two lane, two loss, Troy, two loss, UTSA. All would have been outside looking in. And then this year, Liberty at 13 and 0 and SMU at 11 and 2 would have been outside looking in. And, and can, can you look at either Liberty or SMU and go, you know what? That is a team that should be part of a 12 team playoff. No. To determine the national no. champion. And no. so, I thought, I would have thought SMU might have been, and then they got handled in their bowl game. And I was just like, well, never mind. And Liberty just got rolled. I, I, I will say I think Liberty got a bad matchup. Oregon Oregon might be the second-best team not in the playoff. Like I, I think Oregon is really, really good. If, if Liberty... I'm trying to they would have been the 12 seed, the, so they the would have played the 5 seed. You're going to tell me that would have been yeah. a good matchup for them? Oh, I don't. Well, who's the five seed? Georgia? Then no. But if, oh, if, if in this situation, but in in this bowl bowl scenario that we have this year, if if they had matched up with Penn State, they maybe could have been a little more impressive. They would have done nothing offensively against Penn State. You don't think? No. Okay. Okay. They just don't match up personnel wise. That, that's my opinion. Yeah. It's interesting talk. Let's get to some of your thoughts here. Uh, Sports Talk Mississippi, ceasefire text line is open, 601-879-4395. We're back right after this. 
Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort studio. Got a um, got a bunch of interaction from you right out of the gate, uh, and I think we should uh, we should get to it because uh, you got a good a lot of good stuff here. Um, one of those so so we were the the question off the top of the show today was does the group of five deserve to get an automatic qualifier into the twelve team playoff that will begin next season? Right, quite simply. Do they deserve an automatic spot? Or is there something that you put in place where you say, okay, they deserve it if this happens? My thought is, well, if they're ranked in the top 12, they deserve to be in. Hey, Dad suggested that if they are a conference champion, did you say undefeated? No, they don't have to be undefeated. I mean, I guess that's a good point, though. Like if you if you if, if let's go with my theory there like so they beat I don't know uh, Texas Tech but they also lost to South Florida like I, I don't know but I mean at the same time if it's not a conference game I don't know if they win their conference I mean would we keep out a Power Five team that lost uh, out of uh, to a Group of Five team but won their conference I, I don't I don't think we would so no because the overall strength of schedule would be completely different right. they would have proven it. Yeah, but I mean, I guess I can't. If you're if you win your conference and you beat a Power Five team, I, maybe the top twelve needs to be the other qualifier there. You got to stay in the top twelve too. Yeah, I mean that that's the only. Yeah, I made I made it work in my head. You have to be in the top twelve to be considered. But if you're a Group of Five team, you also have to have the other qualifier of beating a Power Five team. And I know bowl games aren't. Well, well, hold on now. That just from changed. Just what shut you up, said. Borky. You're not talking here, evidently. No, no. I, I want you to talk. <laughs> I, I do. But what you just said is dramatically different than what you said in the the first segment. Yeah, but I mean, I guess it's got to be that way, right? So you can't got, have a, for, I mean, for a group of five team to be in the twelve team playoff. You think one, they have to be in the top twelve, and two, yeah, they have to have at least one win against a power four conference team. Yeah, I think that. Makes I think more I'd sense. throw that part of it out. They just got to be in the top twelve. Period. That that's what it right. needs to be because, uh, one, and, and I'm somebody that before this year, uh, before what happened in this bowl season, I have advocated for the inclusion of the group of five because if you take meaning away from their seasons, scenes like game day at James Madison, and I know most people couldn't care less about that. But you saw how incredible that was and how meaningful that day was. There are millions of people that care about Group of Five and less, you know, FCS, Division Two, II, Division Three football. And so if you remove their inclusion of the playoff, what are they playing for? And, and that's a, a real conversation. That's a real debate. If you're a Southern Miss fan and there's no automatic qualifier to the playoff, what is your season? What are you playing for? The Sun Belt Championship? Is that is that a great thing? Yeah. Is that something that, that you can keep uh, fan interest year in and year out just to go win the Sun Belt? Maybe not. I mean, that's a, that's a tough sell. So I, I've advocated for their inclusion because they matter, too, and those seasons do matter. But, but don't you think with the schedule that Southern Miss plays, that would include 
If Southern Miss went undefeated, wouldn't you think that they would be ranked in the top 12 nationally based on the schedule they play most years? Yes, but yeah, how, I, mean, I mean, how many about teams this go year, undefeated? They would have beaten Florida State. Right. They would have beaten Florida State, Mississippi State, and they, mean, they played somebody else in the Power Five, didn't they? I mean, how many they times another have they, SEC team? How many times have they gone undefeated in the history of their program? And that, that's not a shot yeah. at Southern Miss. How many times have any program gone undefeated? I mean, that, that's a a very difficult ask. And, and so when you look around and everybody else uh, can get in now in the 12-team playoff with two losses, and it's – so I've advocated for their inclusion. Generally speaking, I think that they should have that to play for. However, Liberty and SMU showing has changed my mind, at least to some degree, because neither one of them – Liberty did not belong on the field with Oregon. They would not have belonged on the field with Penn State. They would not have belonged on the field uh, with a full-strength Florida State. Certainly not Georgia, not Ole Miss, not Alabama, not Michigan. None of them. Liberty would have had no business on the field with anybody. They would have gotten blown out by all of them. And then SMU lost to Boston College in Tulane, the other team that would have been in the mix, lost to Virginia Tech. This was the worst year for the group of five uh, in the postseason. Going into this year, they were 4-5 and five in access bowls, and the margin of defeat in those five losses was 10 on average. So they've shown well, but this was the worst year for it. And if you're Greg Sankey, and you're sitting here and you saw Oklahoma, the committee, remember, essentially left Oklahoma out of the playoff, if you think about it in that context. Oklahoma Mm -hmm. would have missed the playoff. So you sit back and you see Oklahoma, who beat Texas, by the way, on a neutral field. They did. And then you watch the Liberty game. And you're Greg Sankey, and you have the power to give – that slot to Oklahoma or a Penn State or somebody else with athletes. Are you really okay with Liberty's inclusion over one of your members? If you're the commissioner of the Big Ten, are you really okay with Liberty's inclusion over a Penn State? Because you shouldn't be. And and that is what I'm curious. I would love to, to put true serum in the SEC office in Birmingham right now and say, hey, Greg, what'd you think about the Fiesta Bowl? All right, so so Mike in Oxford says if you just go with the strict top 12, a group of five team will be left out nine out of ten years. But that's just not true because we've got a 10-year sample size from 2014 through 2023, and we pointed out how many times you would have a group of five team that would have qualified. So in a in a 10-year window, you would have had one, two, three, uh, four. You would have had four times out of ten ten years that a group of five team would have been in. What What about this? Let's just go crazy for a second. Since we're since we're we're, we're playing hypothetical, we don't have the ability to make decisions. A lot of group of five schools have pushed back against the idea of being separate from the Power Five, which is now the Power Four. Okay, I got no issue with that. What if we said the group of five could have its cake and eat it too? What if we said very simply, if you are a group of five team and you qualify for the 12-team playoffs by being one of the top 12 teams in the country, you're in. Congratulations. And those teams that make up the group of five, in addition to that, so so in that year, that team would not be eligible for the second part of this equation. 
You take the top four ranked teams from the group of five, and then you play two semifinal games and a second championship game. So you don't you don't do a breakaway where you go, okay, the group of five's over here, and the power four is over here. Maybe it's group of six, power four, whatever it's going to look like. Anyway, you, you get the idea. Big schools on one side, smaller schools on the other side, and never the tween shall meet. You, you leave the opportunity on the table for a group of five team that has an exceptional season like UCF did in 2017 and 2018, like Cincinnati did in 2020 and 2021. In, a, in an exceptional season, you have the opportunity to qualify for the 12-team playoff. And outside of that, the top four group of five teams are going to play for another championship. And you get two semifinal games and you host those on campus. The higher ranked team, so you go one, two, three, four, one and two host, one host four, two host three. And then the winners of those two games play at a neutral site, FBS, call it whatever you want to, championship game that is not the national championship game for the bigger schools. Yeah. Do both. That's that's interesting. What's wrong with that idea? So when we wrong with that idea? When we brought this up before, Southern Miss fans really, really pushed back on that, and I'm so I'm wondering if that's a compromise. You say no, no, we want to be included. We want to have the opportunity to earn our way into a playoff and play for a national championship. Okay, that opportunity exists. Be one of the top twelve teams in the country. But in the absence of that, if you're one of the top four ranked group of five teams, you're going to have a chance to play for an FBS Division II national championship. But what if that does happen, though? Do you still have that alternative championship if somebody gets in? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying. In a year where not let's in use it. Southern Miss. Let's say Southern Miss is the number 12 team nationally, and they're in the playoff. Well, now you take two, three, four, and five as your top four remaining seeds from the group of five, play a semi, two semifinals, play a championship game, get a trophy, put it on TV. People absolutely would watch. They watch the FCS playoffs, man. They're going. I mean, there are a lot of people that are going to watch the FCS championship game between South Dakota State and Montana on Sunday afternoon. That's coming up this weekend in Frisco. Just play one more game. We get more football, and it's something that's meaningful. Right here is go back. And now back to back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling on Super Talk Mississippi. Our text line is open, 601-879-4395. Um, all right, a couple of questions. A couple of things that we just, people said, hey, could you could you remind us of something? You keep using the terms Power 5, Group of 5. What, what do those mean? It's just conference designations. So the Power 5 
was made up of the teams that were part of the SEC, ACC, Big Ten, Big 12, and Pac-12. The group of five were the teams made up from the conferences of the Sun Belt, the American, who tried to call themselves Power Six, Conference USA, the Mountain West, and the and the MAC. The MAC was the fifth. So the, those were the five conferences that made up the group of five. What are you shaking your? I can head? try to call myself Margot Robbie's husband, but you know I'm not. Right. And and so somebody said, okay, well, who's going to be the Power Five this year with the Pac-12 going away? Nobody. It's it's simply consolidation. The Power Five is now the Power Four, the SEC, the Big Ten, the ACC, and the Big Twelve. And then you will still have those other five conferences that would make up what has loosely been termed the group of five. So still, the Sun Belt, Conference USA, the American, the MAC, and the Mountain West. I, I keep thinking about this, and I'm like I'm trying to punch holes in my own idea. And I don't think this is something that I've stolen from it. I, I haven't heard anybody suggest this. We, we were. We were kind of workshopping this idea, and I've been thinking about it throughout the course of the afternoon. It's just something that I kind of came up with. And I understand, whether it's Southern Miss or UCF or in in previous years before getting into the Big 12, or or any other school, Western Michigan from the MAC or Boise State, saying, no, 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 no. We, We don't want to play for a lesser championship we want to play for the national championship. The fact of the matter is, those schools really aren't playing for the national championship. Outside of Cincinnati, with that one year that was really two years. I mean, Cincinnati's inclusion in the playoff was really two years in the making. Because they had the 2020 season where they went undefeated and then they followed it up with a 2021 season in which they went undefeated. And so it was like a buildup of, man, this is a really good team, and they got pro guys, and people are talking about them. And that helped them in the rankings, plus they had the wins over um, Notre Dame and Indiana during that 2021 season that we talked about. So it really took something special to get a group of five team into the four-team playoff. And what we said there four times when you have had would have had a group of five teams that would have been part of a 12-team playoff. And, and so I understand, oh, we don't want to play for a separate national championship. Somebody suggested that what we're explaining is heavyweight championship and welterweight championship in boxing. And yeah, I guess so. I mean, we've already got the setup in college football. We, but, we've but, already got it. And somebody... And somebody tweeted at us, or tweeted at me and Borky. I don't know if they had you on it or not, Richard. But you know, in in high school football, you know, we have a seven A champion and a six A champion, and nobody thinks any less of, of the six A champion. I mean, the best team in the state this year was the five A champion, wasn't it? It was Louisville. Nobody thinks any so, less of the two A champion. It's just a function the of the fact champion, that the it's a smaller champion. school, right? Uh, right. I mean, so I mean, with champion, fewer resources. Champion. Look at the yeah. atmospheres in Montana and, and tell me that those games don't matter. I make reference to it all the time. I'm a, a broken record, but I, I mean, I grew up going to FCS playoff games. 
they felt important. Every player on the field, every fan in the stands could not have possibly cared less about Clemson that day. They weren't even thinking about what was above them. I mean, I I got to storm the field, and I got Lewis Ivory's autograph. None of you know who it is. It doesn't matter. But as a fan, that was incredible. And the players, they wanted just a playoff game, not even the championship. And that was the biggest game of their life. It didn't matter. Because you're playing for a title. So so let's play this out just for a second. This scenario that I've just kind of dreamed up. All right, so we got the 12-team playoff that starts next year. And now we're, we're just going hypothetical. Let, let's make next season a great season for Southern Miss. And let's make next season a great season for James Madison. And then let's say, um, let, let, let's say both, again, this is without looking at any schedules. Don't hold me to this. But let's make James Madison ranked in the final playoff rankings, let's say they're 15. And let's say that Southern Miss is 18. And let's say Boise State is 22. And give me another group of five teams. Let's say Nevada yeah. is like 38. And those are the four highest-ranked group of five champions. So you got the 12-team playoff going on, and none of those group of five schools were in the top 12. But you're not done. And no disrespect, but you're also not relegated to the RL Carriers New Orleans Bowl. Now you're going to have two on-campus semifinal games where James Madison is going to host Nevada and Southern Miss at the Rock is going to host Boise State in a college football playoff welterweight semifinal game. We got to workshop the name. Well, we got to we we got I understand that. And then the winner of those two games is going to meet in a neutral site for the national championship. And they're going to get a trophy, and the game's going to be televised on ABC. And it's going to be on a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday afternoon or a Monday night. or I don't care when you play it. And two million people are going to watch it. Possibly even more than that. For reference, this bowl season, the Tuesday day after Christmas, starting at 5.30 Eastern time, first responder bowl between Texas State and Rice drew 2.8 million viewers. That is more than 99% of NBA games this year. I had a couple of people say you're describing the NIT tournament, but but I'm not. Mm Mm-mm. It's not the same as the NIT because the NIT's got big schools littered all over it. And the main tournament forces the inclusion of every single conference. Yes. Yeah. And somebody said if the group of five would do that, it would bring more money. That's Jared and Tupelo. Yeah, Yeah, it would. It absolutely would generate more revenue. I would like to think that Southern Miss fans would show up in a big, big way for that game on campus in December. And we've seen what James Madison fans look like. Yeah, they buddy. pack their place out, I guarantee you, for that. They do it every and Saturday. Again, and again, it's not, this is not the only opportunity. 
This is in the absence of that super, super special season where a group of five school makes the 12-team playoff. There's still something of massive significance worth playing for. I don't know. I think we're on to something here. Yeah. I mean, it's, as somebody that has constantly advocated for the little guy in college football, because that's what I grew up on, I think that Liberty and SMU showing in their bowl games should tell you a lot. It should. And I think we should reevaluate the structure of the playoff because of how incredibly mismatched one was and one would have been had they been included. Kelso in Ocean Springs says, you've got my attention. Kelso, James Madison fan. As good as James Madison has been and is going to continue to be as a program, the odds of James Madison making the 12-team playoff are not super high. And the odds of James Madison winning the 12-team playoff are even smaller. But the odds of James Madison being one of the four highest-ranked group of five teams and hosting a game on campus and winning that and possibly winning a national championship game, those are pretty high. I don't know. Um, Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Mike in Oxford says it really is the power two. Yeah. I mean, when you look at the revenue numbers, the, the Big Ten and the SEC are in the process of significantly separating themselves. That, yeah, that's why Florida State's trying to get out of the ACC. We understand that. But even so, there is a significant difference in budget sizes between Wake Forest and Nevada. Absolutely. Just sticking with the Wolfpack. And athletes, if we're being honest. I mean, w- watch highlights. That's all you need of, of Boston College SMU. Not a good Boston College team. And watch the difference. It could help a smaller team build a resume that might get them into the playoffs the following year. Yep, you're right. We'll be back. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Exactly. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us. Um, Two completely unrelated things to anything we've been talking about. First of all, coolest dad moment out of the last couple of days. You know you want your kids to play outside. You want them to stop like uh, staring at screens and playing Fortnite or whatever they're doing and like, get outside and play like we did when we were kids. Did you play outside when you were a kid? Hey, Dad. Yes. That was pre-Atari. Surely you'd have played outside. Went out and played stickball or something. I had an Atari. Did you really? I had 2600. Do you have the uh, dial or the... the? I had the joystick. Joystick. 
What are you doing there? Um, Clip that for me. Either dialing or playing with the... No, yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> man, Xbox, anyway. Xbox Live was the greatest invention because we would. we uh, In our neighborhood, there was like just a, a walking trail that winded through like all the woods around the neighborhood. And so we would spend all day just messing around like in the little creeks and, and whatnot. And then when it... We would have to come home at sunset. Couldn't stay out after dark, wouldn't let us. But the second the sun would set, we would all go home and hop on Xbox Live and hang out with each other for hours still uh, on in after that. So so that's still happening. But but here's what I'm getting to. My son, Obi, who's 11, and other kids that live in our neighborhood have discovered the joy of playing outside in the last two days. We've been in this house for two and a half years now. And, like, okay, you know, friends would come over and play, or he would go to somebody else's house. But the idea of a bunch of kids in the neighborhood just getting together and playing, I, it's like it's been some foreign concept. But for the last two days, that's happened. And I don't know that I've ever seen Obi happier last night. He got he comes riding. After I got home from the show, he comes riding his bike down the driveway. I'm like, where, where have you been? It's dark out. He's like, oh, we've been playing. We rode bikes for, like, two hours, and then we played Capture the Flag and – uh, you know, my friend's front Heck yard, yeah. and then we were jumping on the trampoline, and then we played basketball in the driveway. I'm like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. He goes upstairs, plays video games for a little while, comes downstairs. Just can't wait to tell me about, like, everything they've done. I'm like, you just discovered playing outside. I love it. This is the greatest thing ever. It's Man. the greatest thing ever. Oh, and if, if they start playing manhunt, uh, depending on your name, we, we would do full neighborhood manhunt, and, and it was a – not the game, though. No, no, we we would do it okay. full full neighborhood, and and uh, I mean we would cheat. We would uh, like jump fences and hang out in people's backyards. God knows we're, we were lucky we didn't get shot, but I mean the, the neighborhood was huge. We're talking like hundreds and hundreds of houses, just big neighborhood, and we would start. Uh, one team would be on one end, and one team would be on the other, and it was essentially a big game of tag, but we called it manhunt. And it was full. The, the boundaries were the entire neighborhood. And, I mean, it would take us hours upon hours to come to the conclusion of this game. And you, we, we got to a point where it would be like five on one, where there's one guy hiding somewhere, the rest of his team got found, and there's five of us left looking for this one guy like we were policing a manhunt. We called it manhunt. And that was the best. I like it. Here's the other random thing that's happening right now. Oh, go ahead, Ada. Sorry. So we we played peg, peg was hide and go seek, but with a football. <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. Yes. So you had to run back to the base before you got hit with the football. Yeah, we get a message. Somebody says capture the flag was it in our neighborhood. Huh. Kind of like somebody just hanging out on your back porch in the middle of the night, Morky. So I've talked to a few neighbors about that. I think um, I think there, there's there's going to be a reporting to the police. You think there's not a did missing dog? Did I miss dog? something while I was out? Oh, you did. You did. We'll have to, I'll have to tell you. We don't that. have enough time to do it here. We'll tell it on the other side of the All story. Right. Tell the other thing that you were wanting to non-sequiturs with. All right. So are you familiar with, you know, Barstool's got all the different people that are, are you familiar with Jerry after dark? I know what's going on with him right now. I know right. what's going on. There is a, on, on a track man, golf simulator, there is a hole-in-one challenge going on. This has currently been played for 18 hours and 53 minutes. 
Borky, what's he playing? Is that number seven at Pebble Beach? I don't know what hole it is, honestly. It looks like Pebble Beach, yeah. It, yeah. it looks a lot like seven at Pebble Beach. I'm not sure that's what it is. I haven't been locked in on this. Um, and he just hit his 2,060th shot in search of a hole-in-one. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. Like I don't know, 10 of the last 15 swings that I've seen him make, he's hit the ball on the green. There can't be a whole lot of gas that. left in the tank after 2,000 swings. Has this been 18 consecutive hours with no sleep? Yes. No, he's taking some breaks. He hasn't slept, but he hasn't. he's taking a couple breaks. I know he got a massage at one point. Okay. <laughs> he's so organically funny, too. Doesn't try at all to be funny, and he's so funny. We need, we need to come up with an idea for Palmer Home for a live stream. That would be that we fun. We need, to, we need to think of something. Like an alternate stream for the Palmer Home Radiothon where we're on for all 12 hours? Yes. Something, yeah. Along those lines, yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. We're back with you coming up right after this. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Will you ever get so excited that you just can't wait? Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Don't touch that dial! Here on Super Talk Mississippi. January 3rd. 2024. Thanks for being with us. Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. You want to be a part of the conversation? You can join us on the Ceasefire text line 601 879 4395. 601 879 If you live in Mississippi, Ceasefire is simply the best. They're the best at wireless. You can go anywhere and you get a signal. They're the best at home internet gigabit speeds in your house that is like faster than lightning and uh, they're the best with business it services as well learn more about them online at cspire.com cspire customer inspired coming to you from the pearl river resort studio pearl river resort is the home of the dancing rabbit golf club visit them online at dancingrabbitgolf.com. that's dancingrabbitgolf.com. Part of Pearl River Resort. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and you, thanks for being with us on this Wednesday afternoon, middle of the week. We need to talk some basketball because we are very, very close to the start of conference play. Mississippi State on the road on Saturday. They are taking on South Carolina, a game that will be televised by CBS. I was looking at the SEC schedule on the SEC website. It's like, why are there only six games? Like that, everybody's playing conference games this week. What's going on? And I started. I was like, "Wait, where's Mississippi State?" And I was like, "Oh, because this one's on CBS. They don't even put it on the television grid for uh, on so the petty. SEC website." Uh, yes. Yeah, so Mississippi State at South Carolina on CBS SEC opener coming up this Saturday. It's a big opportunity, hey, Dad, for Mississippi State right out of the gate. Yeah, national team. By the way, I was ready. 
I was ready this time. You stopped talking. I was ready to go. <laughs> I like it. Uh, yeah, big. I mean, national television audience against the team. We talked about it a little bit yesterday. It's been a very surprising team. You know, South Carolina was was awful a season ago, and in year two of the correct me if I'm wrong, Lamont Paris era, mm-hmm. he, he seems to have gotten things going in, in the in the in the correct direction. Um, so that, you know, it's a big game for them. It's a big game for Mississippi State. Interesting uh, little coincidence too. State's women are at South Carolina the next day, so two big games for Mississippi State against South Carolina, uh, and for Mississippi State for the men. Tolu Smith should be back in the starting lineup, so it'll be interesting to see how they work the rotation there. That's something Jans talked about uh, on Sunday that he's got to figure that out because you know with Jimmy Bell going to the bench now, who's been so good for State, he's ba- he's averaged basically a double double uh, in, in these in this first couple of months of the season with Tolu out. That's a lot more than I expected out of him, uh, and it's kind of made up for the fact that Andrew Taylor uh, hasn't given State much of anything. Uh, the transfer from Marshall, who wasn't on the bench this past weekend. Uh, Jan said that was a personal issue and that uh, that's all he was going to say about it. But Jan, th- that he's missed a couple of games this year with personal issues. Um, so just, I- it feels like something's not right with him there. Hope he, he if he's, if he needs help, he gets the help that he needs. Uh, but as far as on the court contribution, I'm not expecting much from him. But Bell and Josh Hubbard have kind of made up for that for Mississippi State. Hubbard's been a lot better than I thought he was going to be. He- he's been State's probably best player. Uh, through these first two months coming off the bench, uh, just an instant offense guy. And now that you get Tolu Smith back, man, they, they, they should be in good shape going forward. Any concern at all that Josh Hubbard is hitting a little bit of a freshman wall? Last couple of games, scoring's been down a little bit. Not a lot, a little yeah. bit. Didn't shoot it quite as well in the last outing. Or two, two games Yeah, he didn't ago. shoot the ball yeah, two games ago, yeah. And then yeah, on Sunday, he had 11 points, but his shooting okay. wasn't great. I think he was 3 of 7 from behind the arc. Um, I mean, that's obviously going to be a concern with, with freshmen. You know who that is. Um, we saw that a few years ago with Deshaun Ruffin, as I recall. He, he got out to, the, to a fast start, and then by the end of the season, he, he was dragging a little bit. But I think with State, with bringing Hubbard off the bench allows you to manage him a little bit more. Uh, you know, you've got so many veteran guards in front of him. That you don't have to, you don't have to rush him out there. You don't have to start him, and he can provide that that boost when he's needed. So I think Jans is in a good spot with him going forward. Numbers: Mark Sears from Alabama is leading the SEC in scoring at nineteen point three per game. There's not a single player in the SEC that is averaging twenty points per game. Ole Miss has got two in the top ten. Matthew Morrell at sixteen point nine. And Alan Flanagan at 16.4. Uh, Jalen Murray just outside the top 10. He's 11th in the SEC at 15.3 points per game. And then the aforementioned Josh Hubbard, the uh, the freshman at Mississippi State, is uh, averaging 14.8 points per game. So good numbers there. Um, Jimmy Bell Jr. leading the SEC in rebounding for Mississippi State. 9.4 rebounds per game. I did not uh, see that coming. Alan Flanagan for Ole Miss is sixth in the SEC at 7.3. And how big has that pickup in the transfer portal been for Ole Miss? Just a veteran presence that scores and rebounds and looks very under control. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, much long, I mean, he's really long, too. Got, got an NBA body uh, for sure. If he could get better at finishing around the rim, then, uh, I mean, he might find a spot on a roster next year. But 
that that's the interesting thing about this team. And we talked about the other day that they're they're going to get their first real uh, test of adversity uh, on Saturday. Even if they win the game, you're still going into an environment that this group hasn't played in yet. But even though this group is all new. Flanagan's played uh, approximately 500,000 SEC basketball games so far in his career. So has Matt Morrell. So has Jamin Brakefield. I mean, Musa Cisse's been around a long time. Sharp has been around a long time. These are guys that have played a lot of basketball and a lot of basketball on the road. So even though it's new for them, together, what they're walking into is going to be a hornet's nest. But they've they've played in hornet's nests before. So Jimmy Bell leading the SEC in rebounding. We talked about Flanagan at six. Cam Matthews tied for eighth at 7.1 rebounds per game. Uh, DJ Jeffries is 14th in the SEC at 6.6 rebounds per game. Jamin Brakefield 17th at uh, 5.9. Um, so that's just scoring and rebounding numbers. Uh, Deshaun Davis is 10th in the SEC in assists per game, 3.75. Matt Morrell is 8th in the SEC, and Jalen Murray's 9th in shooting percentage, 48, 47.5 respectively. Uh, Josh Hubbard, 5th in the SEC in free throw shooting, 86%. He's 37 of 43 from the line this year. How about Matthew Morrell, second in the SEC in steals per game, 2.33. Cam Matthews is fourth. Deshaun Davis is fifth at 2.25 and 2.17. And you got Flanagan in the top ten. He's at eight. I feel like it's been a while since we've seen when you kind of look at league-wide top 20 individual numbers. I mean, you might have seen a Morrell in the top 20 in scoring. Obviously, Tolu Smith. But but to see multiple guys from both teams that are contributing at a high level, there's some good stuff happen, happening. Jamarian Sharp at Ole Miss leads the SEC by a bunch in blocks for, per game, 2.75. That's um, Jimmy Bell's 10th at a uh, little over a block per game. We're talking ourselves into a fun basketball season. Well, they've played themselves into a fun season. So so we did this exercise with Ole Miss. Uh, for State, the, the net is is different in a good way uh, than, than Ole Miss. What are they, 16 spots 30. ahead of Ole Miss? Yeah, in they're the 35. Net? Ole Miss is 60. So it's 25 okay. spots. 25 spots. Yeah. Um, the, the magic number, we think, for Ole Miss is 9, right? Win half of your SEC games. Is that the same You're number in. for Mississippi You're State? In. Is it that simple? Or, or can they, with their net, even get away with possibly getting in with 8? They were 8-10 and, 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 and last year and got in. Yeah, they were 8-10 and 10 last year, but they had a quad one win over Marquette in the, in the non-conference. They don't have that, plus they have that quad four loss. I mean, 500 feels a lot safer. And that would be 20 wins, which there was a time when 20 wins meant a lot. It means 20 wins mean, used to mean you were in, yeah. yeah, yeah mean, I think mean, if State was 9-9, nine and nine, they would probably go to the, the SEC tournament thinking we need one. Are any, of, are any of State's quad two games on the edge of being quad one? I'd have to look. but Because Ole Miss, has one, is, Ole Miss right now has one quad one win. 
And that could turn in, based off the 13 games that they've played, into two or three. Um, UCF on the road is currently a quad one win for Ole Miss. They are, oh, sorry, they're in the Big 12 now. I was looking in the Washington State is currently 56, so if they could get to the top 50. Mm, Okay. UCF is 70 right now, and that was a true road game, so that's their quad one win right now. Oh, okay, okay. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. We'll hear from Chris Jans next. Okay, what we do next? Keep it moving, buddy. You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888-808-8637 on Super Talk Mississippi. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for joining us. Regardless of how you're listening, whether it's on your local Super Talk Mississippi station, you're traveling through the state, or maybe you're listening online, glad to have you along for the ride today in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Sports Talk Mississippi brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. You can find them online at genteelapparel.com. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. On their website, you can uh, you can save you can save ten percent just by entering your email address. Uh, free shipping on orders over one hundred fifty dollars, and you can get a nice little basket of stuff for one hundred and fifty bucks. There, golf shirt and a quarter zip, or check out their shorts or uh, all the different things, uh, including some really good looking outerwear that is available as well. Genteel, proud to be a partner with them. Thankful for their uh, trusting us. Most days, we're not talking about escape hatch technology. <laughs> Genteel apparel. You can even get a nice uh, salmon colored quarter zip, like the one I'm wearing today from, uh, from Genteel. Uh, what do you say we hear from Chris Jantz, head basketball coach at Mississippi State? Bulldogs 11 and 2, headed to conference play. They go to South Carolina on Saturday. Tolu Smith is back. Chris Jantz talked about all of those things. And more when he met with the media earlier today, yesterday? It was recently. Yesterday. Yesterday. Here it yesterday. is, Chris Jans. Uh, you've seen him in practice. You've seen him in the offseason. What, what's different in your mind comparing his game this year to last year? I'd say it's too early to tell if um, it's going to be that much different. You know, I know he's a tireless worker, and he's constantly trying to, you know, like you said, add to his game, improve his range. You know, again, one one game's too too small of a sample size, like you said, um, but he's just so comfortable, you know, out there because of his experience. I thought he showed pretty good patience for the most part to wait for the space to be cleared for him to, to go to work or make the appropriate pass. He had the one pass that he threw it to the other team, but other than that, I thought he was real comfortable out there. But we'll see, you know, uh, if, if he can continue to build on that and, like you said, uh, show some expansion, you know, of his game going forward. We'll go uh, second row middle to John, and then we'll go head down to Justin. Happy New Year, Chris. Happy New Year. So uh, I know, obviously, the big return that everyone was talking about with Tolu, and I know he got uh, 19 minutes that night and, and looked good. But just, you know, as a guy just coming back and, 
you know, SEC play starting right around the corner as well. Is there some kind of a return to play plan in terms of gradually increasing his minutes or workload? Or is there kind of anything off the court that maybe you can, uh, you know, shed light on for us? No, uh, I haven't been given any sort of uh, limitations that way. Uh, prior to him playing in the game against Bethune Cookman, he had been uh, basically released uh, from minute restriction or rep restriction in practice. So he was full go uh, a couple of days prior to that particular game. I didn't have any minute restriction, like I said, uh, that was given to me from the trainers or the doctors. That, uh, But they knew that, you know, uh, he wasn't going to, you know, play 35 minutes or anything like that. I mean, that w wasn't what I wanted him to do. Uh, it worked out really well. Um, going forward, um, you know, we talked about it after the game on Sunday, you know, how that looks and how his minute distribution goes with Jimmy and him and the other guys that, you know, play that position. Uh, time will tell. Go ahead. Uh, going back to, to the start, how you guys started SEC play last year, what, what did just you and, and the returning guys maybe learn from that experience about the importance of, of starting off in this conference on the right foot and just because just of how deep the league is? Play better. You know, it always comes back to, to how you play, you know, in all, all areas uh, of the game. And, um, you know, people, everyone looks at their schedule and says, oh, you know, we got a tough out, out the shoot or, you know, ours is hard in the middle. But at the end of the day, you know, um, you got to play. And this year's no different. You know, we're focused on, on South Carolina on the road, but certainly we understand the first four or five games, and um, they all look pretty menacing from where I sit. But, um, you know, in terms of what we learned, I mean, again, like everybody's good. There's so much riding on each and every game. And the way I look at it, it's just what, what wonderful opportunities, you know, for our team, uh, particularly this year's team, to you know, have chances at, at big wins, and um, they're all over the place if you look up and down um, the schedule. So, again, my perspective uh, is to look at it as that. It's a challenge, obviously, but uh, what, what great opportunities that we have before us. We'll go to coaches right to Benjamin and then back to Paul. Yeah, so South Carolina, a team that probably has you know, exceeded some of the expectations set for them in the preseason. Uh, so what kind of challenges is that matchup going to present for you on Saturday? Yeah, maybe in the outside world, I don't think they probably exceeded their own expectations just from um, being around Lamont and listening to him, um, you know, at the media day and even since then. Um, you know, they had the one loss is all they've had on the road against Clemson, which I'm assuming is a rivalry game for them. And otherwise, they have an unblemished record. And um, they're a really good basketball team. You know, they've, they've added uh, some key pieces to their team through the portal. Uh, seems like they're meshing very well. Uh, the thing that jumps out to me right away is just how well and how many guys can shoot the three. I mean, they have five guys on the floor for the most part uh, that all shoot the three, and, and they shoot it you know, pretty proficiently. So that's going to spread you out. And then they got the guards out front with the transfer Cooper from Minnesota and then the returner, Michi Johnson, who's leading them in scoring. But I think they have four guys in, in double figures, so they got balanced that way. And they're a veteran group. They got older guys, which you'll see a lot more, obviously, with the portal, et cetera. But uh, they're playing well, and it's going to be a challenge. So that was Chris Jans with the uh, media yesterday uh, answering some questions about the SEC opener, uh, the return of Tolu Smith, Kind of the timetable. Hey, Dad, what did what did you think of Tolu in his return? <laughs> it looked like he hadn't missed a beat. I mean, he 
in, in 19 minutes. He had 16 points and, and, and seven rebounds. He didn't miss a shot from the field, and he was also 6 of 7 from the line, which is a huge improvement from some of the stuff we saw a, a season ago. I know they weren't playing the, the greatest team in the world, but to, to have been out for you know, so long and to come in and play like that right off the bat, that's, that's very encouraging uh, uh, for Mississippi State. So I thought, I thought he looked fantastic. This is a very different-looking South Carolina team from uh, a year ago. I, I'm having trouble remembering the young man's name. They had the, the kid that was a star. Gigi Jackson. Gigi Jackson. Um, I don't know that anybody – I think everybody from South Carolina is content with just, just moving forward. He, he was a problem for uh, – when he was on – and I don't mean on in terms of making shots. I mean on in terms of being a good teammate, doing the things that he was asked to do, playing defense, all that stuff. He was a really good player, a really important player. And when he wasn't, he was a problem and was a little bit of an anchor for that team. They seem to have much better team chemistry this year pretty balanced with three guys scoring in double fi- uh, figures and one more that's really, really close. Peachy Johnson is almost 18 points a game. He's really good, really good player for South Carolina. And their crowds at home have been pretty good. I mean, for their most recent game against Florida A&M on, what was it, Saturday, December 30th, they had 11,000. They had a little over 10,000 for the Elon game. So... They had 15,000 show up for their game against Notre Dame at home earlier this year. So I would think for a, a Saturday that's the SEC opener for a team that's won a bunch of ball games and a big fan base right there in Columbia, I would think that it would be a pretty good atmosphere at um, Colonial Life Arena for the uh, for the SEC opener. But, man, what a great opportunity for Mississippi State, too. You're, you're not opening at Rupp Arena. You're not opening at Thompson Bowling. You're not opening at Bud Walton. You're opening at Colonial Life against a, a good team, but an unproven team so far. And you heard Chris Jans allude to it. Their only loss this year at Clemson, and it was a five-point loss. Uh, they've got a win against Virginia Tech this year. They've got a win against DePaul. Uh, they've got the win against Notre Dame. It's a bad, I'm sorry. That's a bad Notre Dame team. I was trying to kind of give them credit on some of those Wins. They haven't played a very difficult schedule, but their net ranking's good. South Carolina is 44. 40, say it again. 44. 44. So, so that's quad one, right? If quad one win. opportunity for state right here. Big yeah. one. Yeah. Big one. And then back to back home games following that with Tennessee and Alabama. So some really big games here at the start of the season for Mississippi State. Big environments, right? At least they should be. Oh, should be, yeah, should be. But yeah, especially that Alabama. I mean, it's gonna be a tough one with Kentucky or Tennessee yeah. Wednesday six o'clock. But but Saturday seven thirty tip against Alabama. That should be a big crowd. I agree with you, but I think I think we have allowed ourselves to fall into the. Uh, it's a tough time, start time, blah blah. No, blah. I agree for, for I agree. state and for Ole Miss. Ole Miss yeah, is there's Ole enough SEC people. opener. Is on Wednesday night there's at eight o'clock people, against Florida. There's enough people within an hour of both schools to put seven, eight thousand people in the stadium easily. Yeah, and I think the teams have earned that. 
For sure. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. I listen to it at work. At work. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Did you get that memo? Yes, sir. Sports Talk Mississippi rolling around long in this 4 o'clock hour. We have had some questions on the C Spire text line. Uh, curious about the whereabouts and the announcement of uh, a Braylon Burnside, more commonly known as Stanka. He is making his announcement at halftime of the Under Armour All-American game, which just went to halftime. And they teased that going to a commercial break. Uh, there, there has been... A significant amount in the last few days of, is it going to be Mississippi State or Ole Miss? And I don't know how much drama is actually there. I guess we'll see when we get the announcement. ESPN just showed a graphic a second ago saying that he was down to be a Mississippi lot. State, Texas A&M, and Arkansas. I think those were the three. Nah, Arkansas is not involved in this, no. Yeah. This is either State or Ole Miss. It, it, it's probably State, but... I think we have followed recruiting and covered it in this state long enough to know that nothing is ever for sure. So we'll find out momentarily, I guess. Has there been a buildup, hey, Dad? I want an honest answer here. Over the last mm-hmm. week, trying to make this more drama-filled than it actually is to make it look like a big recruiting win? I will tell you that the answer to that is no, because Mississippi State fans, by and large, we hate drama. We're never on the right end of it. So I think I think by and large state fans are like just want it to be over. Just say yes already. I, I will say what it looks like. You know, we talk about with Daniel Hill. It looks like now he's trending towards Alabama. So you know, state needs to win one of these two battles, and this is probably the one they're they're in better position to win. Yeah, and just word of advice because because I have friends that text me about stuff like this all the time. Like for a period of time, and we'll get to this later. Jackson Dart removed Ole Miss quarterback from his Twitter bio. And like changed his bio. Like, and I had friends that were like, dude, what does this mean? I'm like, nothing. Nothing at all. He's a 22-year-old on social media. It means nothing. Stop looking into it. Apparently, Burnside had some Twitter likes that state fans didn't particularly like. And my neighbor down the street was like, well, he's liking a lot of Ole Miss posts. Does that mean he's going to Ole Miss? And I was like, buddy, no. He's a, he's a high school senior on social media. Don't. Read people try to, people try to figure that out. He puts on social media. Like, your own children, you know, if you have a teen, I have two teenage daughters, man. I have no clue what they're talking about most of the time. I just nod my head, okay, that sounds great. Does that make you happy? You're happy? Great. And that's how, I mean, they're high school kids. What do you want? So I'm just waiting for the uh, commercials to end, and then we will have the uh, the live. <laughs> we'll have the official word. There, there it is coming up in uh, in just a moment. Um, he's got his mom there with him. She was uh, she was standing next to him. They're in Orlando, by the way, at Camping World Stadium for the Under Armour All America Game. Um, team Ice leading Team Fire thirty three to three at the half. If you uh, if you care, you ever wondered what was stronger, Ice or Fire? Ice is the winner, evidently. 
Ice, ice, baby. All right, they say the final schools are Mississippi State and Ole Miss, and uh, Stonka Burnside is currently thanking all of the people. A lot of thanks. And with that being said... I guess we'll know by Richard's reaction. If there is no reaction, it's State, and if there is a reaction, it's Ole Miss. Oh, what's he What's he doing? He's going to... He's unlocking a box. <laughs> he's opening the box. Coming out of the box is... The Mississippi State University. There we go. He's having trouble flipping the hat. Mm-hmm. All right, he's got that. There, he, there didn't t- he didn't toss it. He didn't toss the hat. No, no, no. Been on the wrong side of that before. He's going with the uh, he's going with the flat bill, and it's uh, trucker style. So it's the white mesh in the back with the maroon front with the M State logo, M State banner logo. Oh, and, that's a shame. And uh, mom has got the uh, the visor on. All right, that's a done deal. He signed his letter of intent a couple weeks ago. I, I, I believe that to be the case, yes. Um, but, again, LOL. in this oh, oh, here we go. Here we go. LOL. Richard playing the Ole Miss didn't want him playbook. Did you say that? Did you say that, Richard? God. What, what, what did I? Man, you, you talk about I hearing mean, what you just, want to hear. All right. It just never ends with you, man, I tell you. That, that is an important pickup for Lebby, though. It, seeing, and I know he, he just took over the program, so it, it's hard to establish a foothold in, in recruiting when you just start. But having another blue-chip receiver leave your town to go to your in-state rival, on top of everything else that has happened over the last few months, would have been... Couldn't imp- happen again. Couldn't happen again. We could not. Mississippi State another, could not afford what, another another before? AJ Brown situation. Oh yeah, AJ Brown. Oh yeah. <laughs> He's such a jerk. Now, uh, now, now let me I'm ask you a question. The jerk role. Yeah, I know. let me ask you a question. I'm being, okay. being serious, and, and this will delight Ole Miss fans to hear. But is Levy trying to copy what Ole Miss did in year one of Kiffin, where they were just really bad defensively that year? Really, really bad. But they were good enough offensively to win shootouts and, and, and improve their team. And I don't know that Blake Shapin is anywhere near the talent that Matt Corral is, but is that where Levy's going? Is he saying, in year one, let me get in here and show off the offense and everything else will work around that? Because it feels like State has recruited really well on the offensive side of the ball. They've got another big-time target uh, on campus right now on a transfer uh, visit, Kevin Coleman, who you might remember was a highly rated high school receiver who signed with Jackson State when Dion was there. After Dion left, he transferred to Louisville. He's on campus right now uh, for Mississippi State. Or if he, I mean, maybe this weekend. I'm not sure. I know he's visiting. Is State just going to put all their, their eggs into the offensive basket this year? And is, is that something that State can do? Because, I mean, it worked for Ole Miss. They figured it out eventually defensively. Yeah. I mean, it's a good question. I mean, based on what I've heard you say over and over, if you're a Mississippi State fan, I think that's what you're hoping for. Right? Because you've got an offensive-minded head coach, and frankly, scoring more points is fun. Now, it gets to a point where you're like, geez, could you just get a stop? I mean, if you could just get a stop, you could win this football game. And and there's some frustration that goes along with that. 
Mm. But I do think there's one thing that that's so I I don't know the answer to your question. I do think there was a little bit more on the roster that Lane Kiffin inherited than what Jeff Levy is inheriting. That's fair. I mean, to, yeah. to your point, Matt Corral was there. Elijah mm-hmm. Moore was there. I don't think that has an Elijah Moore right now. They could. They could, they could have Yoboa one. Because Elijah Moore, was, uh, I mean, was a guy that they picked up via transfer. State has a guy I think can be like that in Sedu Triore, the transfer from Colorado. I think he can be a, a tight end. But I mean, what had Yaboa done either? And Elijah Moore all he was more well known for hiking his leg than than anything he had done on the football field to that point. So well, but but you remember it's you definitely remember Lane Kiffin saying that one of the first conversations he had when he came in was he came in and said Elijah Moore, you're going to set the single season receiving record. He told him that mm-hmm. he's like. I've seen what you're capable of. We're about to use you until you can't walk. Which, not exactly. But he did it in eight games? Yeah. not Nine games? Somebody said we didn't know who Corral was. Uh, we didn't know Corral. Oh, we didn't know Corral was who he was, though. Blaine Kiffin did. Correct. Yeah, played, I, we had seen Kevin some did. some flashes of Corral. I mean, we had seen some. We knew he had the big Wasn't arm. He a five star coming out of high school. Four. He's a four star. Okay, but I mean, that's what Chris Parson was too. So I mean, is Chris Parson going to be Matt Corral? No. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. It seems unlikely, but we'll see. You saw the physical tools, and you saw him being used totally and completely incorrectly. That's what you saw. It always cracks me up that he rushed for like however many yards under Kiffin, and yet they couldn't play him when Rodriguez was there because he couldn't run. He wanted to run the ball more. Like, he could have done everything Plumlee did in the running game and still hadn't been able to throw the ball. Jeez. Somebody said, I'm a rebel, but State has a better defense than what Ole Miss had when Kiffin took over. Not anymore. I I don't know if that's the case or not. They're all gone. Basically. They're bringing in a lot of transfers this weekend, and hopefully they'll, they'll sign some of them. But I mean, Watson and Johnson and Crumbity and Pickering. The Cameron Richardson's now in Oxford. Sean Preston is gone. I mean, it took a lot of losses there. Yeah, It's a rebuild. I mean, that's the that's going to be the buzzword all offseason in Starkville is it's rebuilding year. And then who was the who was the guy that just jumped in the portal? Was there not a from state? player from State? Oh, Jonathan Davis. Oh, he's a true freshman, though. He, did, he didn't play last year. But any depth piece. Yeah, numbers, uh, just the, the volume of players they have to bring in defensively is pretty substantial. There's just a lot of spots they have to fill. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. We'll take a quick timeout. We'll be back to wrap up the 4 o'clock hour with you coming up next. Sports Talk Mississippi. Yeah! On Super Talk Mississippi.
Welcome back, Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. Hey, Dad, you um, you retweeted something earlier today that I thought was interesting from On Three Sports. They gave report cards to the first year head <laughs> yes. coaches in college football this season. There was one A that was given, and that went to Brent Key at Georgia Tech. Uh, Georgia Tech went six and six and got into a bowl game. And did they win their bowl game? Georgia Tech. They did. Yes. They beat UCF 30 to 17 to finish the year seven and six. Brent Key's done a good job. I mean, for the time he took over midseason last year, they played better. Uh, they get to a bowl game this year, so so good things happening on the flats there in uh, in Atlanta. Uh, the bees, there was uh, there were there were two. There was a B plus, and that went to Jeff Brom at Louisville. Didn't they win ten Probably games? Probably should have been an A. Yeah. They did, and he's recruiting like mad. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was another B, no plus or minus, just a solid B. And it went to Deion Sanders. I mean, come on. Come on. I'm going to argue here. I'm going to argue with you here. I know that they fell apart there at the end. That team was 1-11 a year ago. And not only did he make, he got them, he made, he improved them, and he made them interesting. And, and that, that is, I can give him a B. I can give him a B. They were interesting because they, Talked and failed, though. That's what I'm made just them saying, interesting. Though, they, they, they were a lot more competitive. They were competitive enough to win six. They just didn't get it done. I, I, can, I can live with a B. I just got to go back and remember how it unfolded for Colorado. So they started the year with the win over TCU. And they beat Nebraska. And they beat Colorado State. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. Shoulda lost. They didn't, but should have. Yeah. All right, so 3-0 start, and they are the darlings of college football in September. And then they got beat by 326 points by Oregon on the road. And they were down big to Southern Cal, and they made it close late, ended up losing that game by one touchdown. Right. They beat Arizona State. I could make an argument that that was their best win. Probably, yeah. On the lost road to Stanford, too. lost to UCLA, lost to Oregon State, lost to Arizona, lost to Washington State badly, lost to Utah. Yeah. Their losses were pretty I, close. I just don't have a huge issue with a guy who took maybe one of the most irrelevant Power Five programs and, okay. and made them relevant and got them some wins. All right. Uh, C-plus, Kenny Dillingham at Arizona State. Totally a meh. Tough, tough situation. I mean, I mean, getting their postseason ban uh, yeah. days before the season began. Mm-hmm. A lot of injury issues there. A lot there. of injuries in the first half of the year. Yeah. They're going to be formidable for State in Week 2. That, that's It's going to be like that Arizona game we talked about. It's it's just a game that... Formidable. They, formidable. That's what it's going to uh, be. Got another C-plus, Matt Rule at Nebraska. Yeah. 5-7. and seven. Yeah. Uh, the C's, yeah. 
There's just one solid C. Hugh Freeze at Auburn gets a C. They get to a bowl game. Yeah. Yeah. C minus. What, what does getting to a bowl game matter? It just doesn't matter. The coach doesn't even try to win it. So C minus is Ryan Walters at Purdue, Luke Fickle at Wisconsin, Troy Taylor at Stanford. Then we get into the D. Scott Satterfield at Cincinnati got a D. Fair. Yeah. And Zach Arnett at Mississippi State got a D minus. The man got fired before the season ended and only got a D minus. What does he got to do to get an F? What 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 would have what would have gotten him an F? He beat Arizona. Losing I mean, to that's, a, that's a bad the only thing Southern I guess. Miss team also would have probably gotten. Well, he didn't there. coach that game. That's true. He did beat Arizona. So. Did get an SEC <laughs> win. Still, yeah, yeah, but still, he got fired. I mean, you would think getting fired before the end of your first season is automatic failure. It's an incomplete at best. He missed. He missed the last three weeks of class. Did the person doing these grades factor in that Hugh wasn't fully involved all season? Yeah, <laughs> A plus for the games that he coached in the games he was involved in well yeah a plus oh man sports talk mississippi five o'clock hour college football fix leading things off next i can't believe what i'm hearing this is sports talk mississippi right here on Super Talk Mississippi. hour with you. This is Sports Talk Mississippi coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort has great dining options. If you're looking for a little more casual, some soul food, they got you covered at Mama and M. If you're looking for a little more upscale, a great steak, Philip M's Steakhouse, and then plenty of casual dining options, including uh, inside the Sportsbook at the Golden Moon Casino, Sportsbook at Timeout Lounge. Check them out if you want a great place to eat. And so much more, Pearl River Resort has you covered. Alongside Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross. Thanks for being with us on this Wednesday, the 3rd of January, 2024. You can join the conversation on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet. C Spire Business, learn more about them at cspire.com. Slash business. We got a lot to get to today in the college football fix. College football fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best selling trucks are built Ford Tough. You can test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. 
College football playoff semifinals averaged 22.6 million viewers, most watched college football semifinals in six years. The Rose Bowl averaged 27.2 million and peaked at 33 million. That is the best of any college football playoff semifinal ever. They also did uh, 1.4 million of those viewers were watching on ESPN2 on the uh, the field pass version of that. It is the best non-NFL sporting event since 2018. It's incredible. Wow. I mean, the, more, the, more people watch the I'm not watching anymore because of NIL. See, and, and that's the thing. I mean, you, you look at these numbers. They're unbelievable. I mean, Georgia-Florida State did right 10.4 million. 10 yep. Point four million for a sixty-point game. It just, it just doesn't matter. A, a noon Eastern kickoff in the Peach Bowl with another game competing against it for. I mean, Drew took a couple million eyeballs away from it. If you're just a college football fan, over seven and a half million people watch the Peach Bowl. The, the bowl. By games, the way, I was very, very wrong about that supposition that the Auburn Maryland game being on ABC might just by sheer location of the broadcast been comparable to the Peach Bowl? It was not. Um, Maryland and Auburn, 2 o'clock Eastern kickoff, 2.6 million. Ole Miss Penn State, 7.8 million. I mean, Missouri, Ohio State did almost 10. This... Maybe maybe this sport is dying and, and all of that, but man, we are three years into this. We're three years into it, and season-long. We're not just talking bowl games during holiday season. Season-long, people watched. It's like, here's, here's what I've come to learn. Most people don't pay attention to how rosters are built. Most college football fans don't care. They don't pay attention until Saturday comes. I mean, we, the, the people that really like dive deep and listen to this show every day, they know what's going on. They know how players are, are are paid for. We'll talk about Jackson Dart in a little bit. They know that there was negotiations involved in getting him to sign a new contract like a free agent quarterback. They, they understand all that. Most people don't care. Most people, college football is just a thing that they do in the fall. And they'll listen to people talk about it. They'll hear podcasts and obviously listen to our show. But generally speaking, they're just happy that the game's on on Saturday. They and their wife, they'll, they'll cook a spread and invite some friends over and have some drinks and watch the ball game. And they couldn't possibly care less about how everything else is going on. That's what this exercise teaches us. That most people could not possibly care less if the players are getting paid. Most people couldn't possibly care less if they're transferring from one school to the next. All they care about is if the, the school that they went to has a game on Saturday and can they go to the bar and watch it. I would have to think that the people at the Peach Bowl are most pleased with how their matchup turned out. 7.8 million on TV, 71,230 was the attendance for the game. That is the second largest crowd for any bowl game, only behind the Rose Bowl with uh, 96,371. Probably will finish third. I don't know exactly how they will configure NRG Stadium for the championship game. But the capacity for that uh, that building is seventy two thousand two hundred twenty, so it may finish third in terms of attendance. But 
My my, my guess is that, that Gary Stoken, uh, who is the the CEO of uh, the CEO of the Chick Fil A Peach Bowl, probably has had a smile on his face for a couple of days uh, because his event went uh, went quite well. So um, we we start the college football fix there, but there is a ton of college football news news today. LSU fans got some news that they were hoping for, and uh, that was their entire defensive coaching staff is gone. Two days after finishing with a win over Wisconsin in the ReliaQuest Bowl, Brian Kelly, he's cleaning house. Defensive coordinator and linebacks coach Matt House is out. Safety coach Kerry Cooks is out. Cornerbacks coach Robert Steeples is out. Defensive line coach Jimmy Lindsey is out as well. In a statement, Brian Kelly said, I want to thank each of these coaches for their work on behalf of our football program and our institute, blah, blah, whatever. Hard hard decision, but we gotta we got to be better. LSU finished 10-3, and three, but the defense struggled. 105th in total defense, tied with Akron for the 78th best scoring defense at 28 points per game. That is not LSU defense. And in their three losses against Florida State, Ole Miss, and Alabama, they gave up at least 42 points and at least 494 yards in each of those three games that they lost. They're going to have to have a big spring portal window. Um, They're they're losing some bodies and don't have good enough ones to begin with and didn't really do a whole lot in in the first portal window. Um, My question is, I'm sure you guys have seen it, that there's been some rumor reporting from people that cover LSU about if Harbaugh does, in fact, get the Chargers job, which, by the way, Harbaugh hired an NFL agent because he wants the Chargers job. Um, that Brian Kelly would would take the Michigan job. And that's all that – I mean, there's been this whole news cycle to the point where people believe it's just a formality that when Harbaugh leaves, Brian Kelly's going to Michigan. Nobody has asked at all, why would Michigan do that? Why would they do that? Because it's really hard to hire a head coach, and he's a good one. Who, who, who could Michigan get, just off the top of your head, that you would say that's a step up from Brian Kelly who is – Take another name to the playoff, and has won ten games in both of his first seasons at LSU. Well, I think their answer is already on staff there. Personally, you think Sean Moore's getting the job? I do, I do. Oh, Especially no, no. if the timing works out the way it does, I, I do think that that's what would happen. But Michigan's issue is that they have been good, not great. They've been really good, not great. They win a lot of games, they get to the peak, and they fail. That has been Michigan football since 1997. That is Brian Kelly also. He's been really good, not great. He's gotten there, and then when he's gotten there, been embarrassed. He's gotten to LSU, and, and, and frankly, yes, they won the West last year, Lost, got smoked in the championship game, in the SEC championship game, and lost to a horrible Texas A&M team. And this year, he lost three games with the Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback. He's good, at times really good. Never been great. Why would Michigan do that? Because it's really hard to hire a good football coach, and he's a good football coach. Do you want to be good? Or do you want to be great? I mean, I would argue that his resume is better than good. I mean, I hear what you're saying. I mean, you're right. It is better than good. He he has not won a national championship. He he has not. That's the only thing he hasn't done. I mean, the the number of guys that have won a national championship is pretty small. 
And Notre Dame is noticeably worse since he left. So, so who are you going after, Borky? I, 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 it's not about who I'd go. Well, I tell you who I would go after, and the Ole Miss fans, sorry, I would go after Lane Kiffin. I mean, he might tell me no, but that's who I'd go yeah. after. I'd go after him. I, I would absolutely is take Lane, Lane Kiffin over Brian Kelly today. Is Lane Kiffin a Michigan man? No. No, and they wouldn't be able to handle the, the way he conducts his business. But if I were looking for a coach, even if he would tell know, me no. Michigan Twitter might eat that up because that is a salty bunch. Great fishing on the Great Lakes. And they're not going to do that, and, and that, that's not going to happen. But just it's if a I were... a longer flight to the Bahamas from Ann Arbor. It is. If I even were in their position is all I'm saying. Yeah. I would make a run at Kalen DeBoer. He, he may not leave, but look at what he's done. If you want to bet on an up-and-comer, Jed Fish doesn't seem like a terrible idea, but that's probably not good enough and not proven enough for Michigan. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Hey, guys. What happened? What the heck are you doing? Sports Talk Mississippi on your radio and in the game. Sports Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi rolling along with you on this Wednesday afternoon, the 3rd of January. Because it is Wednesday, we remind you that Thunder and Lightning on the radio will follow Sports Talk Mississippi right here on Super Talk Mississippi. So when we finish, uh, you'll get the uh, the national news, and then the Super Talk Mississippi news team will... Um, have the uh, the more local news for you, and then uh, we'll roll right into uh, Hey Dad and friend, friends, guests, just you. How, what are we doing tonight? Just me tonight. Just me tonight. Mm. It's what more do you need? Show? We'll talk about Stonka for sure. Okay. Talk some recruiting. Talk some hoops. Ooh, all sorts of good stuff. Can we talk about how good the pictures have been on Lane Kiffin's Twitter feed the last couple of days? Like, if you're tired of the cold in Mississippi, the fishing in the Bahamas looks great. It's kind of earned that break. Yeah. I don't think anybody's complaining. Oh, no. I'm, I'm jealous is what I am. Yeah. Man, to be... Yeah. First week of January in the Bahamas is not a bad way to do it. Yeah. At all. I, I can't call an offense like he and Weiss Jr. called against Penn State, though. So I, I guess the whole Bahamas vacation's not really up my alley anytime soon. I, I can and I have many times on uh, the PlayStation. <laughs> Put up dominant numbers. You boys know what it's time Only eight for. months away from doing it again. You boys know what it's time for? I do. You smell that? It's time for the fishy line of the week, and it's brought to you by PTG Outdoors. Locations in Grenada and in Greenville. You uh, you can find them online at ptgoutdoors.com. So here, we were talking about Lane Kiffin fishing. Truth of the matter is, 
We're six weeks away from the start of the college baseball season. Yes, I know. It'll get here fast. Huh. It'll be 70 and sunny on opening day. Don't you worry. But you know what coincides with the start of the uh, college baseball season, usually? Start a crappie season. So you're going to be thinking about fishing. You're going to be thinking about getting your boat ready to go. You're going to be thinking about, I don't know, maybe taking a little guided crappie tour at uh, Grenada Lake. Or you got your own spots to go to. PTG Outdoors will help you be ready. And there's no reason to wait to the last minute. You can be ready to go when it's time to go fishing. And PTG Outdoors will help you be ready. Find them online at ptgoutdoors.com. They're a Camus boat dealer. They are a Mercury Marine Authorized Service Center. They've got uh, the Garmin electronics that you need in your boat to help you find the fish and also not get lost yourself. I mean, because you don't want to do that. You don't want to get lost on the water. They'll take care of you. PTG Outdoors. Let Brandon and the gang help you with all of your outdoor needs. PTG Outdoors. Brian Haydad. Yes. What is the fishy line of the week? You know, obviously, you know when you when you look at the the NFL, there's a ton. It's it's week. It's the final week of the season, right? I mean, mm-hmm. some people are just they're they're just coasting towards their draft pick. You got some games that mean something. I, I feel like all the lines there are, are suspect, so I'm not gonna even going to go there. Or we're they're going all really to close the, to accurate one. One way or the other. We're going to the FCS championship game. Montana and South Dakota State. Okay. I, I, I like the Jackrabbits. That's a great program. Richard Cross, you've seen them up personal. This is a yes, championship sir. game, and Montana's a 12-and-a-half-point underdog. We got no faith in the Grizz in, in, in a battle of two of the coldest states in the Union. We're going we're gonna to say that line is fishy. I think that game's going to be close. It's a championship game. I think it'll come down to the wire. South Dakota State probably win, but 12 and a half, that's, that's too many points for my liking. Tell you what I'll do. I'll give uh, you a, an opportunity to uh, win a steak dinner. No, How you feeling? No, no. How you feeling there, Brian? No, hey, Dad. No, I will give you no, two because, touchdowns no. and a hook. I'll give you 14 and a half. And we I'll already said we're not Dakota doing State. steak dinners anymore, so we'll just put a C note on it. Oh, okay. I mean, it's the same. It's the same amount of money, right? Okay. Yeah, fourteen and a half. I'll give you fourteen and a half. Go Grizz. Ooh. Okay. We just got a reason to watch on Sunday afternoon. How it's got dare you? How dare you think that the Jackrabbits are not capable of dropping that three or four touchdown bomb on the? Fake bears. The Grizz. <laughs> fake bears. The Grizz have already gone into hibernation. Jackrabbits don't sleep <laughs> you, all you're a ho- You're a jackrabbit homer. You went up there, you got the sweatshirt, now you're a jackrabbit homer. Speaking of the sweatshirt, yeah. when South Dakota State wins this game and you see me bebopping mm. into the studio, into the Pearl River Resort yeah, studio, going. I will be wearing the jackrabbit hoodie. For right. you. Their coach gave me a hat also. See? And, and, and while, I, while I appreciate the gesture. Richard bullying me into this bet here, but I'll take it. Okay. While I appreciate the gesture, it might be the buddiest hat I've ever seen in my life. 
<laughs> you Borky, said the you wanna... buddiest hat? Yeah. You hadn't, you hadn't heard What does that mean? Oh, like, uh, you've never heard the term buddy? Just ugly? It's just I've heard the term buddy many times, but I've never heard it referred to with a hat. Yeah, well, you know, you get some, you know, you get the bat, you get the wrong pair of shoes, and like, hey, Dad, those are some buddy shoes you got on there, pal. I've never, never heard that. So I'm yeah. gonna start using it though. Yeah, that right. was, uh, it was like a mid '90s term that I went way back into. Gotcha. Anyway, all right. So we just bet a Benjamin on that. Good to know. Love it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, on the on the FCS championship. <laughs> Degenerates live and well in the new year. There is one Sick NFL fishy line, though, because uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks have a win and you're in the playoff scenario on Sunday against the hapless Carolina Panthers. And the Bucks got smoked by the Saints uh, last weekend. The score doesn't indicate how big of a blowout, frankly, that yeah. game was. So they've got to play well. They yeah. got punched in the mouth. They're much better than the Panthers. When in their end, they're going to be all in on this game. Baker Mayfield got hurt late in the Saints game. He's going to be okay. He's going to play all good. And they're only a four-and-a-half-point favorite. So a desperate Bucks team at full strength have to win to guarantee their spot in the playoffs. If they lose and the Saints win, they're out. And they're only in a four-and-a-half-point favorite at the Panthers, who just embarrassed themselves in Jacksonville, and their owner was throwing drinks at people. Help me out with that one. Is that game going to be close? Because please let that game be close. That would be so much fun. You, uh, they find a man worth twenty-one. They find a man worth twenty-one billion dollars, three hundred k. It's like finding somebody who makes a hundred k a year, a buck. In fact, hey Dad, I think Darren Rovell did the math for us, and it was like a dollar thirty-seven. I mean, come on. I don't come condone on. violence, but if you throw a drink like he did at a person with a barrier in between the two of them, you should get not punched in the face. You should just get hard slapped right across the face. There are no consequences for that action. There is a wall in between you and that person that you threw a drink at. Somebody should be able to get you for that. Again, I don't condone violence, but... As always, if the punishment for anything is a fine, that means it's legal for a price. Ooh. It's as simple as that. If the punishment is a fine... You are allowed to do it. It just costs. Or that fan should be allowed to buy one of those gaudy $26, 32-ounce beers in the stadium and slow pour it the right on top of his head while he's wearing his nicest suit. No, I'm going I'm going, I'm going, going behind the back there and pulling the pants and dumping it in the backside there. <laughs> sit, and, sit on that, And then buddy. giving him a wedgie after that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're definitely, yeah I'm definitely giving him a wedgie, yeah. Should be allowed I, uh, to do an upper decker on in the in the skybox as well. I will go to the um, to the hardwood <laughs> yeah. for my okay. PTG Outdoors fishy line of the week. Uh, you want to watch this when you can do so on the ACC Network. Six, six o'clock tip off tonight in Tallahassee. <laughs> what? No, I'm just reading a text. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, six o'clock in Tallahassee, Georgia Tech, eight and four on the year, one and zero. Oh, 
start in ACC play at Florida State. They are 6-6 six and six on the year. They are 0-1. Florida State is a four-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. I watched Florida State play earlier this year in person, and that one does not make any sense to me at all. But we'll see. Smells a little fishy. That's your PTG Outdoors Fishy Lines of the Week. It's in my face. Okay. Let's go to the junction, in the grove, and to the top. Don't hurt yourself. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Always a crazy one broke into the stadium and I wrote your number on a fifty-yard line. You were always a perfect. Alright, Richard, you said we were gonna do text of the day. I've got it for today. Okay. Text of the day. He's heating up. Yeah, let's let's do it. From the six six two, if that beer would have hit me, they would have had to airlift me out of the stadium. Never work another day. I agree. <laughs> I would have bladed. I would have looked like Dusty Rhodes at the end of a steel cage match. <laughs> exactly. I, I would have sold that like I got hit by a tank. Mm. <laughs> so that's our text of the day. Nailed it. Text of the day, text of the day. Um, yeah. Hey, Dad, you'll get a kick out of this. I was talking to someone yeah. earlier today. He called him about something unrelated, and he's a, a regular listener to the show, and we're certainly grateful for that. And he goes, hey, are you really already swapping your truck? At uh, Are you, are you getting a new F-150? <laughs> uh, he was listening yesterday and heard that, and uh, it's it's a joke that is, uh, is built on itself. And, I, and my, my response was, no, no, it's, it's a little soon for that. Um, but if you want to swap an F-150 or perhaps you want to buy one outright or – Maybe it's a, uh, a Ford Ranger that you're looking for, or an Explorer, an Expedition, or a Bronco, or Bronco Sport. They got you covered at Belk Ford on Highway 6 West in Oxford. It's not just Ford products. They've also got the Toyota lot just up the hill, just to the east of the Ford lot is the, the Toyota lot, Oxford Toyota. And there is a really good selection of Forerunners right now. Orky, weren't you a Forerunner guy for a long time? I was, yeah. Put yeah. two hundred almost two hundred sixty thousand miles on it. Still running when I traded it in. I cannot tell you how many people I've heard say things just like that. Like I drove it forever, and uh, they got a great selection of uh, forerunners in different price points. Whether you're looking for the SR5 or that TRD off-road edition, or you want the limited, they've got those on the lot right now. There is also. I'm gonna go drive it one day just just because I'm curious. There is a Toyota Tundra. That is on the lot. And you, you've seen the 2023 and 24 Toyota Tundras. They look fantastic. Navy blue. And it's got the chrome rims. It's limited edition. The screen in it is about as big as the television in Brian Haydad's living room. I don't think that's distracting. You still got to focus on the road. But, I mean, that like that screen in the dashboard, is it's huge. Anyway, you can uh, check those out. Great financing rates uh, available right now. They'll take care of you on a trade-in and uh, and get you ready to go feeling great about the deal that you get. That's Belk Ford, Oxford Toyota, Highway 6 West in Oxford. And please tell them when you stop by that you heard about them on Sports Talk Mississippi. 
How about Lisa? Lisa and Clara. Speaking to longevity, she's got an F1, uh, let's see, an F-150 with 422,000 miles. She said, will they give me a trade on that? Lisa, if it'll crank, maybe even if it won't crank, they'll work with you on that. If it's time for a new one, tell them we sent you. Or, or, or send me a text, and I'll call ahead for you if you want to do that. Now, I can't promise what they will give you for it, but I think you can get something for it. That's impressive. 422,000 miles? That's a lot, man. That is a lot. I can't wrap my mind around that. Mm. A lot of driving. You think you've driven 422,000 miles in your life? Yeah. Yeah. Probably so. I'm about a 30,000 miles a year guy, give or take. I thought you were going to say you're a 30,000 miles a car guy. No, I usually get to about 36, because that's when the the initial warranty... I mean, mean, what's the point of driving a vehicle that's not under warranty, right? I mean, there you go. Um, You see his face? He had the perfect little snob face. 20. Yeah, I think I'm I'm probably over 500,000 miles, maybe. Anyway. All right. Um... Borky, there was a boatload of college football news today. We've hit on a bunch of it. What are, what are we missing? Uh, the we can, I mean, we're, we're so behind on this. Jackson Dart returning to Ole Miss, expected, got got a, a, a rather significant deal, it appears, and he earned it. Um, a player like Jackson Dart is what you should spend big money on, if that makes sense. I mean, remember there was that, that flash in the pan where high school quarterbacks were getting millions of dollars, and our take here was, well, that's really stupid because high school players rarely work out. Investing millions into a 17-year-old is dumb. Investing a large contract into a three-year starting quarterback, not dumb. You you know uh, exactly what he's capable of. And also, I mean, frankly, the, the ROI when it comes to marketing uh, will also help. I mean, you're going to spend the next eight months... Uh, everybody's going to be talking about Jackson Dart and Ole Miss. And so if you had to pay a little bit more to make sure that you had that in your arsenal, then it's worth it because of what you're going to get in return there. So he's coming back, not a surprise to anybody, but that still is uh, significant setting up their 2024 run. The other thing I wanted to get to was J.J. McCarthy's quote today. Okay. So J.J. McCarthy... Quote, I don't want to say a crazy number, but I'd say a good number. 80% of teams in college football steal signs. It's just a thing about football. You know, it's been around for years. We actually had to adapt because in 2020 and 2019, when Ohio State was stealing our signs, which is legal, we had to get up to the level that they were at, and we had to make it an even playing field. Close quote. You know what they call that? There's your sign. <laughs> An admission is what they call that. Well, now he did not admit that Connor Stallions was doing nefarious things, and he didn't admit that there was a digital component or whatever. He said we had to get up to the level and even the playing field. We had to do that. You know yeah, what that they means? They were stealing our signs. We had to steal theirs back. But... What Michigan got caught doing 
is very much against the rules. That's why there are still people like Michigan media has got their fans trained to think that like Connor Stallions actually didn't break any rules. It's so remarkably stupid. He did. They got caught red-handed, very much against the rules. Like, what Michigan did is very much like the Houston Astros. If you've got a runner on second base and the catcher's not mixing up his signals and you can relay that to the batter, fair game. Stealing signs in baseball that way, it's part of the game. If you've got a coach up in the booth during the game that's picking up on, hey, that the guy on the sideline with the green hat, when he signals this, that means it's going to be a run to the left, that's fair game. That's part of it. The Astros were using a closed-circuited camera feed to relay stolen signs to batters, very much against the, the rules. Connor Stallions was, by every definition and every interpretation of the definition, breaking rules to steal signs of future opponents. That is what Michigan did and what they got caught doing and what they have acknowledged that they did because they accepted the suspension of their coach and fired the guy that did it. But you've got the quarterback admitting that we did that. Well, Mike in Oxford points out that he was actually still in high school in 2019, so his knowledge of what was going on in 2019 could be hearsay at best. He also mentioned 2020. Yeah. But he said Wait, they barely played football in the Big Ten in 2020. What are we talking about? But he said we. Yeah, Michigan didn't play Ohio State in 2020. That idiot said we. Yeah. So Michigan's defense went from, we didn't do it, to, well, he did it, but we didn't know about it, to, well, actually, we did it because we had no other choice but to do it. Not good. Wow. Hmm. I mean, we have, we have had multiple people like, what are we doing here? Like, Peter Burns has been beating the drum the loudest. Michigan cheated. We know they cheated, and yet they are the number one seed in the college football playoff, and they're now playing for a national championship. And somebody pointed out not too long ago, this is like Kansas basketball 2.0. Cheated, caught, admitted, won a national championship. You tell me if it was worth it. Sure it was. Different kind of cheating, though. Yeah. This is, this is different cheating. This isn't paying players cheating. Well, but I mean, what do you say with paying players? Everybody else is doing it. No, oh, it's legal now. I just it, it just doesn't. No, it is now, but it wasn't then. No, but if in three years they make Connor Stallions legal, then I, I would look back on Michigan and think, well, you know, whatever. And I, I, I never had a moral objection to paying players, so it's a, it's a bit of a gray area. I know it was against the rules, but morally, I thought that's what should have been happening anyway. I, I, I think what Michigan did is immoral. How many games do you think the outcome is different? And, I mean, that you, you want to talk about a question that you can't answer? Ohio State you, and you, Columbus you, last year. You can't answer that question. Or not last year, two years ago. Maybe. But that's just speculation. That's all it is. No way of knowing. Dwayne says, I thought cheating was cheating. You know what cheating is? It's smart. Trying. Cheating is trying. And that what the is. What is wrong with you, you guys? Cheating, you ain't trying. You, you you might as well do it. You ain't never gonna get in trouble. What happened to integrity well, anymore? I mean, unless you're Ole Miss. 
Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Not alert. Sports Talk Mississippi. Uh-huh. Sports Talk Mississippi. Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. How do you like that? I love it. On Super Talk Mississippi. That hole-in-one challenge we were telling you about earlier that's uh, still going on. Yeah. He's on uh, swing 2,242, and he's now played for 20 hours and 48 minutes. He hit one earlier within 10 inches of the cup. It just stopped rolling. It was it was, it was was on target, rolling in, and it just died 10 inches from the cup, basically. Did, did they go nuts? Yes, they did. Hmm. How many you you play golf? How many times could you swing a golf club? I mean, how many swings do you take in a round of golf? I guess you take like a hundred swings, right? So this is like playing. He's like he's played Hopefully twenty rounds not, of but... golf. I mean, you know, I'm just saying, including a practice swing, I guess you might you might take close to a hundred. But if you take eighty, I mean, he's been playing. He's played like twenty five rounds of golf. Yeah. So so I have a friend that has a, a TrackMan simulator and. I um it sounds silly. Uh I played in a uh like a simulator golf tournament a few weeks back. And Why you had to play silly? well, it, it was a ton of fun. Um buddy of mine's got the golf house here in Oxford and it's like three trackman simulator bays and anyway. So they were doing like a, cool. a club championship type thing. And I wanted to play the course because I'd never played it before. And then you had to play three nine-hole qualifying rounds to get set for the final nine-hole round for the, like when everybody kind of came together and played at Golf House that night. It was fun. So I went out to, to my friend's place where they had the same setup and probably hit 100 balls, like warm-up. And then I played 18 and then I played those three nine-hole rounds. So in the course of two hours, I probably swung the golf club, I don't know, 300 times. I don't even know if the math checks out on that. But And yeah. at the could I, could I have continued after that? Sure. But, you know, that's enough. Yeah. What is, uh, Borky, some of the, the VJ... Legendary practice stories. Yeah. He'd hit a 1,000 balls on the range a day. Is that right? He would have to change his wedges out uh, every few days because he would wear the grooves down so much that they stopped working effectively. Um, That dude's going to be sore, though. I don't mean to be insulting because he's a really funny guy. He doesn't appear that he's in great physical shape. And swinging a golf club... A few thousand times without sleeping in 24 hours is tough on your body. Like, he's, he's going to be sore for like a week. Doing anything 2,000 times in 20 hours with no sleep. 
is tough on your body. Walking would be tough. Yeah. Yeah, I did make a hole in one on the track man the other day. Hey, well, you need to get up to Chicago then help this man out. Yeah. I don't think it counts, though, because it was on a par three course. I mean, I certainly don't count it as like a real-life hole-in-one. I'm not even sure it actually can count as like a simulator. You ever had a real-life hole-in-one? I have not. I have not. Had a couple within a foot. Hmm. And, you know. I have. I've had one. Oh, have you? Yeah, putt-putt. Yeah. Like, I didn't see that coming. Um, somebody says, how does putting work on the simulator? Uh, you can set it up different ways. Um, you can go automatic two putt if you hit it on the green, you know, within a certain area for the tournament we played anything within anything within a 12 foot ring of the putt of the, uh, of the green was an automatic one putt. So if you hit it, let's say you were playing a par three and you hit your tee shot to nine feet, then you made an automatic birdie. Um, you can do different settings on there. But you just putt into the screen. I mean, the, the TrackMan or whatever simulator you're using, it uh, it picks up the putting the same way that it does with uh, with a regular swing. Those things are really, really cool. Yeah. So. Uh, somebody says winning by cheating is still winning. That's right. I just I hope that Washington I mean, beats them into the ground. I asked you about that once, you know, with everything that happened with Ole Miss and the NCAA, was the Sugar Bowl worth it? And you said, yeah. I said, as a cat, was absolutely worth gear. It. Exactly. Yeah. Nobody cares at the end of the day. Um, Except for Borky. William, I care. I want them William, to lose. the CPA, has a, uh, has a different take, and he goes, cheating is smart? Tell that to your wife or the IRS. Yeah. People cheat on their wives and cheat on their taxes literally every day. Every day of the year. They'll get caught. Nobody cares. Thanks for being with us. Fun show this afternoon. Appreciate you being part of it on the C Spire text line for Michael Borky and Brian Haydad. I'm Richard Cross. Good night from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Thunder and Lightning on the radio coming up next. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.